The Twins dropped a tough one to the Tigers to get a split and are getting ready for the Pirates. We're going to break down why every loss doesn't need to be life-changing and what the Twins are going to do about a bullpen that's, if we're honest, a little bit dicey right now. This is Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello again, and welcome back to Locked On Twins. I'm your host, Brandon Warren, and you can find me on the Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren, although I don't think I would if I were you, but thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. And of course, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which is your team every day. As a gentle, kind reminder, please feel free to be active in the YouTube comments. Leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening and all that sort of fun stuff. We love to hear from our listeners, so please feel free to do so. Also, with if, easy for me to say, you have any questions you want answered on the show, send them to me on Twitter at brand underscore Warner at Locked on Twins, and we'd be more than happy to answer them. Also, too, we have Locked on Twins post-game minutes. After most games where we will give you a statistic you will not see anywhere else. Now, with that said, we're diving right in today. The Twins will be facing the Pirates on Friday at Target Field. It's a 7-10 p.m. first pitch. Twins off on Thursday before they welcome Pittsburgh and Derek Shelton back to town. Andre Jackson gets the ball for the Bucks and Pablo Lopez for the Twins. It's Pablo Day Friday, and you can catch every pitch of the Twins' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Twins. Now, I want to be careful with how I address this because it's a hot button topic and I don't know I guess I'd rather do it on a show where I can articulate my thoughts in long form as opposed to on Twitter which is you know just uh 280 characters or whatever it is now but every single loss I feel like ends up being this life-changing life-altering disaster that people just really, really, really struggle to come to grips with. And honestly, I I don't really understand. If you know baseball, if you watch baseball, if you understand the lengths and depths of a 162-game season, there are going to be games that get away from you. There are going to be games that are otherwise winnable that you lose. Also vice versa. We've seen that with the Twins recently where they've had winnable games they've lost and games they had no business winning that they did win. And we almost saw that again today with Matt Wallner flying out to the warning track going Gary Sanchez opening day 2022 on the bit. But again, the Twins lost. They lost by a run. They lost to Detroit, lost the season series, whatever. It's not ideal. It's not even good, obviously. But... Every year, good teams have bad stretches, bad season series against teams worse than them. And again, I'm not saying it's against any sort of rules to be upset. Far from. It's just that fans don't leave a lot of room for disappointment for actually disappointing losses when a run-of-the-mill 8-7 loss with a nice comeback at the end 
causes people to come unglued. So again, I'm not trying to tell people how to fan. I'm not trying to say you can't be upset with every loss, but it just feels like the 2020 hindsight micromanaging just isn't conducive to how baseball is played. It's just not. And also to the idea like, okay, so a big gripe with some people was Griffin Jack's pitching in today's game. Now, if we're fair, the gripe was more so that Jax was left out there with an off day coming up Thursday. So while he struggled, the hook wasn't there to keep the game closer. I get that. But at the same time, too, teams don't usually hook their best relievers. So if you hook him, you're hooking him for Balazovic, Sands, Winder. You're not bringing Duran in there. That's a whole nother can of worms there. We're going to talk about that in the third segment, the issues the Twins have with their bullpen. So in a vacuum, yeah, it stinks that they left Jax out there to get smacked around. But the alternative was worse. Like, okay, it didn't work out. But if if you go to Balazovic and it doesn't work out, then the then the gripe becomes, well, why not just stick with Jax? If he's your best guy, why didn't you show faith in him? Or if he's your best guy for that spot. Okay. So you can ride that carousel nonstop, second guessing everything. And I get that that's part of the fun for fans. You know, it's part of the fun of watching. But to me, I don't know. It just, it doesn't work for me. I don't, I, I just, I see the decisions made in the moment and you can disagree with them and that's cool. But after the fact, just being all fired up and angry to me, there's just, there's no productive value in that. And again, it's not me trying to say, oh, they're in first place. Oh, they're just fine. But I also am curious, like if if the Twins were to win the division with 84 wins and then make noise in the playoffs, what the reaction would be. The 87 team, if Twitter existed, would have been a cesspool. Like the, the Twitter would have been a cesspool. The team would not. But I mean, go back. If you don't believe me, go back. Look at how many games they won on the road. Literally, I believe they lost two games for every one they won on the road. And at the same time, one, that's a team that so many older fans look back on as like legendary, despite the fact they had a closer with an ERA almost 4-5, a bullpen that was a disaster, a negative run differential. Um, so I don't know. If the twin, basically what it comes back to is I feel like there are a certain group of Twins fans who feel like the only way you can win in October is if you have the 27 Yankees offense, the 2015 Royals bullpen, and then the 1990s Braves rotation. Now, again, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic in the opposite direction. That's not productive. That's not helpful. But what I'd like to impart, just as someone who's watched baseball for 30 years, not trying to be a jerk, not trying to be condescending, is um, it's just not healthy to ride the wave all season long or the roller coaster all season long. Because the season was over after the Twins got crushed by the Royals, if you ask a lot of people. And then they suck you right back in by taking two of three from um, the Phillies, you know, good ball club. It's the ebbs and flows of the game. It's a frustrating team. It's a team that's been hurt. It's a team that's got still a bunch of young kids. It's a team that's still 
trying to find his identity in the back end of the bullpen, which has changed a lot with Caleb Thielbar missing most of the year, Brock Stewart missing a large portion of the, the season, or at least the recent part of the season. It's a team that, in theory, should be a lot better than it is. Because, for instance, when you look at their Pythagorean record, and I, I mean, I don't want to get into the geeky stats too much, but their Pythagorean record coming into today was 65 and 56. So two games better than they are or were coming into the day. They're 63 and 59 now. But 65 and 56, that's a six and a half game lead in this division coming into today. And even if you give Cleveland their Pythagorean record of 60 and 60, then you're right back where you started four and a half games up. So maybe it's overblown that the Twins should have played better than they look on their schedule. I don't know. Both teams have given given two games back in terms of runs scored over runs allowed. If, if you want to look up how the Pythagorean record thing works, it's pretty easy to understand. It's just runs over run scored runs over uh, run scored over runs allowed and then kind of like just seeing how that would normalize over the long haul so at the same time though i have you know griffin jacks has seven losses this season so i get that he's been in spots where he's faltered and we'll talk about that more in the third segment but if you're not trusting a guy now even with today's struggles 834 for strikeouts per nine, 254 for walks, 072 for homers per nine, which doubled from the almost doubled from 037 coming into today. 56.9% ground ball rate, which I didn't realize it was that high, but that's elite for a reliever. And so that's a 362 ERA, a 343 FIP, a 370 X FIP, and an X ERA probably in the low twos because that hasn't updated yet for today. I don't really think we need to worry about Griffin Jacks. I'd be more concerned with Juwan Duran, partially because of the struggles and the level to which he's struggled, but also, too, the role that he's in and what they ask of him as compared to Jacks. Now, we're going to take a quick second here, but when we come back, I do want to talk about how this lineup will shake out as guys come back here Health-wise, Byron Buxton. We got Royce Lewis return now, but you got Alex Kirilov. You got a few different guys who are going to be looking to return. But before we get to that, on this day a year ago, the Twins beat the Royals 9-0. Sonny Gray outdueled Zach Greinke to move the Twins to 60-55 and in one game out. Unfortunately, the Twins went 18-29 and the rest of the way. And if you want to know what that is over a full season, 62-100. and so the fade was real. But uh, good game for the Twins. Hilberto Celestino homered off Zach Greinke. Um, <laughs> Twins lineup featured a lot of guys who are not here right now. Uh, Arise, Buxton, Miranda, Urshela, Gordon, Celestino, Leon, bullpen of Fulmer. Um, you know, it just uh, it didn't go well down the stretch last year. They were 60-55. and 55. They're 63 and 59 right now. So I understand skepticism at the same time, too. This team is built way better than last year's team. Let's talk about bunches. Our friends over at Bunches. 
Now it's a, it's a it's a social community where you can talk about sports with your friends and fans in real time. A bunch is a group chat for sports fans. Bunches is partnering with Locked On MLB to help drive viewership and fan love for each podcast, driving enthusiastic communication from and with fans. So if you want to talk to us, we have just the app for you. It's called Bunches, and it's a new app built just for sports fans where you can chat sports in real time. Click the link. Locked On MLB group chat is on Bunches. Just go there now and connect with other baseball fans. You can chat with your fa- you can chat about your favorite team and keep up with the latest MLB news. Have any questions or comments about today's episode? Chat about it on Lockdown MLB Bunch on Bunches. Chat about your team every day. You can tell um, people anything you want about your fan experience. All you got to do go on Lockdown MLB Bunch and uh, you know just have the conversation. Download the Bunches app today. And when you do, our friends at Bunches have featured the Lockdown MLB Bunch in the Discover tab. You can also click the link in the description to join the Locked On MLB Bunch community today. So the Locked On, uh, the show notes, whether you're on YouTube or listening on any podcast app, um, we have the link to that. So you can join our community today. Now, as we move into the bullpen, thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. If you're an everydayer, make sure to check back. We are working not only on Pat Light, but a mystery guest for next Monday. I'll give you just a hint. It's a minor league hitter, but we'll leave it at that. Twins, Pirates Friday, Target Field, 7.10 p.m. first pitch. It's Andre Jackson and Pablo Lopez. If you don't know much about Andre Jackson, it's for good reason, because he's only pitched about uh, a little under 30 innings this year for the Bucks. And so not a lot to know about him other than that he's given up six home runs. So we'll see if the Twins can get to him for more of those. But Friday is Pablo Day, and you can catch every pitch of the Twins' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Twins. Now, Twins roster finally starting to, well, I don't know if I want to say get healthy. It's getting closer, though with that said, Carlos Correa, Rested his foot on Wednesday. Royce Lewis came back on Tuesday, but the swap out was an injured Willie Castro. Alex Kirilov still on the shelf. Um, you know, it's it's still at a point where the Twins don't have to make any difficult decisions with their roster, but it's, it's not going to stay that way. Um, fortunately, we're two weeks away from September. And at that point, the Twins can do some maneuvering. Um, They're going to have to bring back Joe Ryan at some point. We'll see if Brock Stewart comes back. He's on the 60, so he'd need a roster spot. Chris Paddock, we don't know if he's planning on making any sort of appearance this year or not. Um, Buxton, Gordon, Castro, Miranda, Kirilov, all the position players on offense would seem primed to come back at some point this season, although – I would say Miranda more likely to be activated and then sent to St. Paul, if nothing else. But they're going to have to make tough decisions, even with the September roster expansion, because from a 40-man standpoint, to get guys back, whether it's Paddock, Alcala, Stewart, Gordon, you have to make that room on the 40-man space. That's before considering the 26-man space, where... 
you know, if it was on the bullpen side of things for Brock Stewart, it wouldn't be that hard. Balazovic can go back. Sands can go back. Winder can go back. No issues there. Now, with that said, on offense, though, like the guys who can go back, and we've talked about this, Walner, you can't pull him out of the lineup right now. Lewis, not happening. Julianne, can't pull him out of the lineup right now. Then you got Farmer on the bench and Luplo on the bench, which, I mean, they technically have options, but Farmer's 33. He's going into his last year of club control next year, and he's a respected vet who kind of plays all over the place. So I don't know if they would do that to him. Luplo, I think they would. But at the end of the day, if they get enough guys healthy, I think it's going to become an issue where they're going to have to decide, you know, is is it time to move on from Joey Gallo? Is it time to move on from Donovan Solano? Um, do you cut Luplo for the six or the 40 man spot and the roster spot and then give up the fact that he hits lefties? I don't know what the right answer is for any of these questions because they haven't had to make these tough decisions yet. And again, as we noted in two weeks, those decisions will get easier with two more spots on the active roster from 26 to 28. So the 40 will be a challenge, but the 26 should loosen up a little bit. It's just a matter of how many of these guys would we expect to come back in the next couple weeks? So, I think Willie Castro, simply by sitting out 10 days, puts you in the uh, 21st. So if you do a rehab for seven, eight days, you're pretty close to roster expansion, and that's assuming he comes back after a minimum stay, which uh, obliques are tricky, so I wouldn't count on that. Um, Nick Gordon, not exactly certain where he stands right now as far as um, specific day he'll come back, but um, started baseball activities in late July. Uh, back outside, I would get the sense that September sometime would be a return for him. Uh, Byron Buxton's been on the IL since the second, so two weeks as of today. They're going to have to ramp him back up, so I feel like that's also pretty likely going to be a September thing. But Alex Kirilov with the shoulder, I guess that cuts both ways too. Do you want him to be back quickly but also worry about a recurrence of the injury. Do you want it to be a little later and then run the risk of, you know, he needs time to get his swing back or any number of things. I, I think you want him back as soon as he's 100% ready to go. It's just a matter of navigating that from a health and roster standpoint. And so I don't know what they'll do exactly, but every time we feel like we have to consider what's next, a Willie Castro gets hurt. A Jose Miranda gets hurt. Byron Buxton goes on the shelf. Alex Kirilov. Like, we've been talking about all season or most of the season, recently anyway. Um, Got to get plate appearances for Ed Julian. Got to get plate appearances for Matt Walner. How about Ryan Jeffers, too? You know, he's been swinging it pretty good as a catcher, and he's even been DHing a little bit of late, hitting in that four, five, six spot in the lineup. But I think they've done a good job of finding playing time for those guys. And I think it's important to note this as well. Yes, it would have been nice to get Walner up sooner, and they could have DFA'd Gallo to do that. But there was a time when Gallo and Kepler would have been a 50-50 chance. Um, and if you DFA Kepler, suddenly he's doing what he's doing for the Rays, for the Yankees, or, you know, whoever else, but he's, he's on a different team doing what he's doing now. 
And we've already seen kind of how Twins fans handle success from former players. That would just be icing on the cake. Also, Gallo and Kepler are still on the roster with Walner. You didn't have to get rid of one or the other of them. So what am I getting at there? I'm getting at the fact that MLB teams will not willingly dump depth just to do it. Um, it's it's the reason why it's not Matt Walner backed up by Celestino or Andrew Stevenson, but rather Walner in there with uh, Gallo. Like it, basically, MLB teams are not going to intentionally strip depth. And if you don't consider Joey Gallo depth, that's your prerogative. But he plays a little bit of everything defensively. And obviously we know what happens when he runs into one, which is he hits it out of the park. Um, it's hard to reconcile that, though, with the idea that Walner should have been up before and all that. But teams are not, again, not willingly going to strip out depth to get the kids up. It just it's not how MLB decisions are made. So it is what it is. It, not much more can be said about that. All right, so we're going to come back, and for our final segment of the day, we're going to break down this bullpen because it's stinky. Ten years ago today, 2013, the Twins lost to the White Sox at Target Field 5-2, and this was not a battle of Titans clashing. Sure, Jose Quintana beat the Twins, good pitcher back then. Addison Reed got the save, good closer back then. But the White Sox were 47 and 74 after the game. The Twins 54 and 66. Um, again, my favorite part of these games is remembering some guys. Uh, Alexei Ramirez at short, Adam Don, Paul Conerco, Connor Gillespie, Diane Viciedo. And then the Twins lineup there's Cleet Sanity, Cleet Thomas for the uninitiated, Doug Bernier playing short, Wilkin Ramirez in right. All these guys that you have long since forgotten. But Kevin Correa goes seven and a third. Throws 99 pitches and gets three swinging strikes if you wanted to feel for what the Kevin Correa experience was like back then. All right, let's talk about eBay Motors. Our friends over at eBay Motors want you to know that for a championship team, it's about making sure every player is a perfect fit. And it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. Because with eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only and exclusions apply. So this bullpen, we got to figure out this bullpen. And it's uh, it's rough. If we're honest, it's uh, th the biggest issue I have with it is that you know, you, your, your top two guys are struggling. Uh, Joanne Duran, especially, but Griffin Jacks did have a tough outing today. Um, Emilio Pagan is doing wonderful of late, but, um, you know, I still sense Twins fans don't trust him, which I get. Caleb Thubar still kind of making his way back. 
from the oblique, and he's pitched three of the last four. So he got the off day Monday. He'll get the off day Thursday. Should be rip roar ready to go back in on the weekend. But we still don't really know how much they trust Dylan Floro. Balazovic, Sands, Winder. Um, I'm going to be honest. I, I really don't like the fact that those three guys are playing really any role on a bullpen that wants to be a playoff difference maker. Now, with that said, down in AAA, I mean, Cody Funderburk has been just, just incredible, and I'd be willing to give him a look. But I'm also not ready to say, um, you know, that he's this big difference maker that everyone expects him to be. He struck out 13.5 batters per nine, and that's in uh, 46 innings, so 69 strikeouts in 46 innings, 254 ERA. Hasn't allowed a home run all season long. Gets a ton of grounders and throws from the left side. Um, you know, worth a look. But just like I said with Matt Walner, which I've now had thrown back in my face, I, I don't want unreasonable expectations placed on these guys. So even if Thunderbird comes up, um, you know, he's almost 27, 15th round pick. It's not like you can expect him to come up here and be – even Caleb Thielbar at this point. But I think it's worth a look. I think it's worth a shot. Another thing I would like to see is Louis Varland get the look in the bullpen. And not not because I don't think he can start. I mean, the home runs are an issue, and they're going to continue to be an issue until, um, until something changes. I mean, that's just a, a matter of fact. But I think this stuff plays in short bursts, especially the velo, which is spiked considerably since college. And so I think I would give Varland a shot out of the bullpen. I would also possibly do the same for Simeon Woods Richardson, just to see if the stuff pops, get him to the big leagues and just see if he, you know, maybe if things get, um, you know, a little easier for him in shorter roles, like they've done with Balazovic, who, I mean, he's looked all right. I won't, I won't say he's been great. I won't say he's been bad, but he's been okay. But I, I just think the value is there more so than going with Cole Sands, who I think is all right. I think he's okay, but they don't need three guys with a starter pedigree and the ability to give you length. You need one more guy who can help you in situations and spots. And is Balazovic that guy? I don't think so. Is Sands that guy? I really don't think so. And I don't know. Winder didn't look the best and his, you know, his numbers aren't great. So honestly, I think they need to make some changes. And again, this could have all been rendered moot by just adding another reliever at the deadline. Like sure. Dylan Floro made sense. He's a pretty good reliever. We still don't really know where he stands on the hierarchy of this bullpen. Certainly better than Jorge Lopez before Lopez was traded for Floro. But it would have been so easy to just add, uh, I mean, just any decent reliever. Decent. Like someone you could, you know, go uh, like a late stage Casey feed with the Twins where, yeah, he's not going to wow you, but you pitch him in the sixth inning and he'll be okay. Like they don't have that right now other than Floro. And they, they really do need Floro to be more than that. They need Brock Stewart to come back. And honestly, that 
right now is looking dicey. They, you know, it'd be nice if they could have expected anything out of Jorge Alcala this year because they, you know, they, I think they were expecting him to take a step forward. Certainly just being on the mound is a step forward based on how last season went, but I digress. So this bullpen, you know, I've seen people kind of saying it's in danger, it's in disarray, and I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, too, um, I don't think they need wide sweeping changes. I just think they they probably do need to try some new things with some of these younger guys down at AAA. And, and maybe September will be that time with expanded rosters. I, I still think that those roster spots for the expansion are pretty well accounted for by either guys coming off the IL or maybe Austin Martin gets a look because he's been so good lately. I'm not entirely sure, but the biggest thing, and we'll, we'll end on this, that has concerned me, and it's concerned everybody else, um, is Joan Duran absolutely falling apart after the break. So if you look at him before the break, 2-1-0 ERA, 102 whip, uh, struck out 45 batters, 15 walks, and 34 in a third innings. 565 OPS against post all-star break 511 ERA 154 whip 926 OPS against um strikeouts still there not walking too many guys but getting hit and getting hit hard uh, I did see some analysis of the fastball and kind of how it's been playing in terms of um like rise and, and carry and it's been uh markedly worse than the first half. So basically what that comes down to is how deceptive a fastball can be with the spin and how it kind of approaches the plate, whether it stays flat or has late life to it. And right now it seems like for whatever reason, Duran is, is lacking that late life on his fastball. And as a result, it hasn't been as effective. His secondary stuff hasn't been as good. Um, if you look at his pitch arsenal after the break, um, I'm just going to, I'm going to make sure I have it up here to make sure I have it correct. Uh, since the all-star break, he's pitched 12 and a third innings and given up a 333 batting average and 810 slugging percentage on his fastball on his curve, a 214 average of 429 slugging and on his split, a 353 average and a 353 slug. So all singles, six singles, but I just, I saw so many people saying, why doesn't he just throw his fastball? Well, because it's been slugged on 8-10 in the second half. Like, he can't just throw his fastball. If you want him to be a one-pitch reliever, that's that's just not going to happen. His fastball in the first half had a buck 89 average and a 279 or 270 slug. Curveball was a buck 32 with 263, and split was 200 with a 325. So basically, he allowed one home run on each pitch, but was otherwise filthy and has been the exact opposite in the second half. The nice thing is, and again, this goes back to the first segment where people kind of lose sight of the fact that it's such a long season. And I, this is the adage I like to say, whatever's happening now, don't get used to it because it's going to change for good or for bad. But one thing's for certain, it won't stay the same. There's time for Duran to make adjustments six weeks before he has to, you know, be the best version of himself going into October. And again, don't want to get ahead of ourselves Twins about 90% to play in October, which is good odds, but you still got to take care of business. 
Um, 89.3 is the most recent update. Guardians playing the Reds right now, so we'll see how that changes. But Twins hanging in that 90% range for making the playoffs. So I think the bullpen will need some changes, but I also don't think it's as dire as maybe people think. 20 years ago today, the Twins beat the Royals 14-5. to They moved to 63-60 and on the season. Kyle Loesch gets the win. Runelvis Hernandez takes the loss. And this, you might remember, is the year that the Royals were actually pretty good. They were up two and a half games on the Twins after this, if I'm doing my math correctly. Um, or two games, sorry. Uh, twin score runs in seven of nine innings, couple of crooked ones in there. And uh, again, remembering some guys, Michael Ryan played for the Twins that day, Denny Hawking, Michael Restovich, Dustin Moore, our good friend AJ Pierzynski. And this Royals team had Aaron Guile, Angel Barroa, Carlos Beltran, obviously a great player, uh, Mike Sweeney. Not sure which time of Raul Ibanez's career this was with him being with the Royals, but I digress. And then on the pitching side, Al Levine, Jason Grimsley, Graham Lloyd. I mean, all kinds of names that were very uh, from my era growing up. So, yeah, Twins with a big win there. Uh, they take off, win the division, and um, rest is history. So with that said, that is a wrap for today's Locked On Twins. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure you follow us at Locked On Twins at Brendan underscore Warren. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. If you are an everyday or check back later in the week, we're working on getting Pat Light on and then mystery guest on Monday. It's a minor league hitter. So subscribe, like, give us a five-star review on whatever platform you are listening on or watching. Hit that thumbs up, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Otherwise, hey, thanks for hanging out. This is Brandon Warren signing off saying thank you so much. And don't forget to stop by tomorrow. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.